which is true. I have to be able to say, I'm going to do my part to see it come to pass and to see it finished for the glory of God. Isn't that right? It's not enough just to have it. We've got to do our part and partner with God to see it come to fulfillment. But now the next one, verse 24, our third picture is a picture of a steward or a manager. And we see verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I might finish the race, and here it is, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Complete the task. Now, this is the picture of the manager, of the steward. He said, I want to complete the task that the Lord gave me. He gave to each one of us a task. He gave us a path to run. He gave us a job to do. And I'm not going to be measured by your standard, and I'm not, you're not measured by mine. I'm going to be measured by have I done God's will in my life. Have I run the path he's called me to run? And this is what Paul is saying here. His task or his ministry was something he had received from the Lord. It was a valuable treasure. It was an honor entrusted to him, just like ours is. You know, that's why the world is so depraved and fallen, how they murder babies. And they, they belittle humanity. They don't, they don't, God esteems humanity. God so esteems humanity, we're made in God's image after God's likeness. He so esteemed humanity that even when we strayed and rebelled against Him, He sent His only begotten Son to redeem us and buy us back from that awful state so we could walk again with Him and serve Him. And of all that God created, it's like, um, you know, back home, a lot of snowflakes. Amen. But they're all individual. Right? They're all unique in the same way God has made each one of us unique, precious in his sight. And with every life, God has a purpose and God has a plan and God has a destiny. And he wants me to walk in that. He wants me to see that it, it doesn't come in one big scope. It comes as we walk with God and he unfolds that plan to us in different seasons, have different assignments, in different seasons, have different challenges. But when I'm faithful with God, you can look back at the end of it all and you can see how God used you and God opened doors and closed doors, how God used your life in ways you didn't even imagine because God is not a God that just creates junk. What He creates is good. And He created you and He created me and He's got a plan for your life. But now Paul says, I recognize God has a plan for me. I'm going to give my very best to fulfill that plan. God has a task for each one of our lives. And a steward is someone that he owns very little, he owns nothing, but he possesses everything to serve the master. A steward must one day give an account of his ministry. And Paul was ready for that day. Now, let's talk about stewardship a little bit. Stewardship. After I recognize that every blessing I have, from my breath to my car to my children, is God's gift to me then I have to be faithful with it. It's been given. I've been given blessings. You've been given blessings. We've been given resources. But now those same resources are also a responsibility. And I will be held accountable before God to walk it out. Now, I was thinking the other day, one of our, one of our, one of our, our, young, young, one of our young men just got a, a, a job managing one of the oil change places. You know, and he uh, went to the school, you know, went to the training, and he's going to, I was thinking about this as I'm thinking about an illustration, and I don't know which one he's got, but I've driven by those oil change places, and I thought about them, I was thinking about them during the week, and it says, you know, he doesn't own that little place, they're driving in those cars, but he is accountable for everything that goes on there. He is to manage everything, he doesn't own it, he doesn't own all those tools, doesn't own that oil, but he is in charge of it. It's up to him to keep it running. He doesn't own it, but he's entrusted with it. 
And he's accountable for it. We, we don't own everything we think we own. But I got news for you. We've been entrusted to it and we'll be accountable before God for it. He's accountable. And if he's faithful, there's the reaping and the reward and the results of a blessed life. You see, now Christian stewardship. Let's look at this for a moment. Let's expand this thought. One of the nice things about studying through books is that we can pause and go deeper into things. I think stewardship's a very important thing. I think we need to get back to recognizing that God owns my breath. Amen. Can you say amen to that? I mean, he owns my breath. And without the grace of God, I can't make it out to the parking lot. My next heart beats in his hand. And certainly every good thing I have has come from God. And I will be required to stand before him one day. Now, so Christian stewardship goes beyond just just paying the tithe and the offering, et cetera, et cetera. But um, true stewardship means we thank God for all that we have. And we use it as God directs. Turn with me, if you would, to um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. And there's a few verses in there that I want to see a stewardship. Let us understand. Paul said one of the pictures of ministry is we're a steward. We're a manager. And God gives us an assignment. God gives us a task. And every good thing that comes your way, it might be a gift. It might be an opportunity. It might be a blessing of a spouse and children. Every good thing you have is a gift from God. And we are expected by God to manage it faithfully and to use it for his glory. Can you say amen? Amen. And many times how you are faithful in one season will determine how God can bless you in the next season. But let's look at this together and um, Deuteronomy 8 and go ahead and look, if you would, at verse 10. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10. And we're going to walk through these few verses because this shows us something. God was concerned that his people would forget how good he was. Can you imagine that? You know, God can bless some people so much they forget God blessed them. I mean, I know this is not good to admit, but there's been some people in my many years of pastoring. I say, now, Lord, don't bless that family too much. You know, every time you bless them too much, they backslide. I mean, it's a terrible thing to pray. God's a good God. He'd rather you be able to handle the blessing and then he could give you more blessing. Amen. But unfortunately, some people, they get too blessed. And the next thing you know, the blessing's got them instead of them getting the blessing. Here we go. Verse number 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. When you're blessed, give God praise. Amen. Give him glory. Thank him for it. Don't take it for granted. When you see those children and those grandchildren, say, thank you, Lord. You've been good to me. Amen. When you open up and we got more food, we throw away more food than some nations have. Go ahead and say, thank you, Lord. You blessed us. Oh, hallelujah. Be careful, though. Be careful. Verse 11, God says, be careful. How many of you know God knows us? Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. I mean, after being happy and rejoicing over the blessing, we might forget God. He wouldn't have said it if that wasn't a chance. Be careful you don't forget the Lord. Failing to observe His commands, His laws and decrees that I'm giving you. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and build fine houses and you settle down, things are good. When your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have multiply. See, God's a good God. But verse 14 says, then, uh uh-oh, look out that your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God. 
Isn't it amazing? Some people get so blessed, got no time for God no more. Business is too blessed. Well, we can, we can pray God unbless it. I'd rather have you unblessed in your business, but blessed in your soul. I'd rather have your family blessed with the Lord than you have in five boats and 16 camps and can't find time to put God where he belongs. Oh, glory. I feel like preaching about now. It's about time we get back to thinking about eternal things. I'm talking to the church just because we sing a little song. Let's get back to giving Jesus first place in our lives. He's more important than these childish, foolish things of this world that are temporal and fleeing away. But stewardship recognizes everything I have has come from God. It belongs to God. He's a good God. He's a blessing God. But I am required to be faithful with everything God's given me. And God's so good. God said, I don't got a problem blessing anyone. I'm a good God. The devil's the one that's taking all this stuff away. I'm a blessed God. I bless my people. But if you can't handle the blessing. And he saw that this might happen here. Verse 14. You can, forget, you can get so blessed. Too busy. Too blessed. Then your heart will become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out, the God that saved you. Can you imagine that? We sing about Jesus on that cross, get a little tear in our eye. But so many people forget to honor him on his day. After all that he's done, he saved us from the terrible sins we used to live in. The terrible life we had before we come to Jesus. He saves us, forgives us, and then some people forget him and act like it says it right here. It says, your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Aren't you glad He brought you out? And then after He brought you out, He brought you through a whole lot of things. He brought us out. Verse 15, He brought you through. He led you through. Vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty, waterless land. He's brought us through the many dangers, toils and snares. We have already come. And that grace that brought us safe this far is the grace that will lead us on. But we've gone through things. Isn't that right? He didn't just bring us out. He brought us through. God's been good to us. There are a lot of things you went through. Hadn't been for the grace of God, you wouldn't have come through. There's a lot of things you went through. If God hadn't kept His hand upon you, it would have swallowed you up. You, would have, you know people backslid that went through less than you've gone through. You know people yourself right now, you can think of many of them that backslid and they didn't go through half of what you went through. But you went through it and you didn't get better while God kept you. You didn't give up and turn your back and say, what's the use and go back to the world and that old lifestyle? You said, uh-uh, this, the world, the world behind me, that cross before me, no turning back. Talking about being a steward, well, we don't understand this. We think being a steward, I just give God a tip and some people are generous. I'll give God some money and then I can do my own thing. Oh, you don't understand stewardship. God owns it all. He just asked for that little bit. Isn't that right? Ooh, glory. Hallelujah. He led us. He brought us out. He led us through. It says he brought you water out of a hard rock. Hasn't God come through for you? Can't we all testify the times God brought us through? He brought water out of a rock. Imagine that. They're in a desert. There's no water. Millions of people, the babies are crying. People are getting fearful. And God says, fear not. You serve the living God even in the dark times. Even in the hard times. I can make a way where there seems to be no way. What a God in the middle of a desert out of a rock. He goes, speak to that rock. Hit that rock. God made water come out of a rock. And He fed and He nourished and He drank. 
drank and he satisfied an entire nation. We serve a good God. He brought us out of Egypt and he's brought us through trials and tribulations. How dare we ever forget him? How dare we not honor his house and be quick to give him praise and give him glory and to walk for God all of our days? Verse 16, he gave you manna. He blesses us in some crazy ways. That manna, what is it, they said. That's a manna means. What is it? Middle of a desert. All of a sudden, man. You ever say that? God, sometimes God is too much. He's blessed me at times. And my Lord, this don't even make sense. I wouldn't believe it if I wasn't in the middle of it. Isn't that right? I was saying, God, God's done some crazy things. I said, you got to be kidding. He gave you manna to eat. In the desert. See, even in the hard places, God knows how to take care of his people. In the desert. See what I mean? Even in the desert, God says, I know, I know where you're at. I know how to bless you. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known. He did it to humble and to test you. So that in the end, that's the important thing. In the end, it might go well with you. He let us go through trials, hoping that we'd learn from trials. It's a shame that some people never learn from trials. It's easier to learn from your trials than mine. It don't hurt me as much. Amen. And vice versa. Isn't that right? It's easier to learn from. I can read the book and I can learn from their trials. I can learn from just being observant. But the fact is, we all go through trials and God brings us through them. And he's hoping that we'll learn something from it. He says, I did that to humble your heart and to test you and to teach you so that in the end, in the end, in the end, it'll be well with you. So you'll learn the test and you'll go on knowing God better and be stronger in your faith and your obedience. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, this is what happens when we forget God. We forget that God owns it all and every blessing I have has come from him. When we begin to think we're in control. This is what happens. Here it is. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power, the strength of my hands, my wits, the sweat of my brow, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. The verse 18, God's going to remind us something. But remember, the Lord your God, for he is the one that gives you the power or the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant that he swore to your forefathers. Can you say amen? You see, Christians are stewards of everything we have God has given us. And I'm supposed to manage that. Every task, every opportunity. Here's another example. Christians are stewards of our gifts and our abilities. God has given them to us. And we must use those gifts and ability to serve others. For instance, look at First Peter 4 and 10. First Peter 4 and 10. And this is what he says. Peter writes, each one, each one of us should use, underline that word use, use whatever gift he has received. And everyone's got gifts. But we're to use them to serve others. Faithfully, being faithful, faithfully giving out, administering, using God's grace in its various forms, expressing God's grace in its various forms. We're stewards of gifts and abilities. One writer said it like this. The, the thief says, what is yours is mine, I'll take it. The selfish man says, what's mine is mine, I'll keep it. But the Christian says, what's mine is a gift from God, I'll share it. 
We are stewards, and we must use our abilities to win the lost, to encourage the saints, and to meet the needs of hurting people. We are stewards of our gifts, of our talents. We're stewards of our time. How many of you remember in Ephesians says, redeeming the time, redeeming the time. Or NIV would say, making the most use of the opportunity. The days I have on this earth, I am to be a good steward in how I use them and not waste them for the glory of God. Again, redeeming the time. It means buying up the opportunity. Time, someone once said, time is eternity minted into precious minutes and handed to us to use either wisely or carelessly. Wow. Wow. Again, a steward does not own but manages all that his master puts into his hands. My house is a gift from God. I need to make sure whatever's done in my house is glorifying to God. This is God's house. First thing we do when we go into a new house, family, we take hands and commit it to God. And we pray God's blessing on it for his peace and his grace. And we pray, Lord, let there be nothing in this house that will grieve your spirit. Or be displeasing to you. Every blessing I have, it's a gift from God. And I've got to handle it in that way. So a steward does not own, but manages all that his master puts into his hand. We can remember the Old Testament character, Joseph. He's probably one of the most um, well-known stewards in the Bible, right? How um, Potiphar put his whole business into Joseph's hands. And how he cared for it and it prospered and it blessed The most important characteristic we will recognize as we study the Bible for a steward is that a steward becomes a faithful person. That we're faithful. We're faithful to God. We're faithful to opportunities. We're faithful to the blessings all around us. If you would look at 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. This is what the Bible is going to say. What is required of a manager or steward is faithfulness. The most important thing in God's eyes For you and I, not not who can sing the best or who can jump up and down the best, not who can give the most, but who can be faithful. Who can be faithful. You see, that's one thing we can all be. We can all be faithful. We're not all the same intelligence. We're not all the same talent-wise. We're not all the same economically. But you know what? We can all be faithful. We can all take what we have and be faithful with that. And so here we go. So then men ought to regard us as servants... I believe the King James say, as stewards of Christ. And as those things entrusted, think of that where he entrusts to you and I, the secret things of God. And the next verse, God reveals what is required. Now, it is required. When something is required, it's not an option, is it? When something is required, it's not a choice. When God says, I require it, then it is required. It's a non-negotiable. It is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. God wants me to be faithful. Not so much successful in the eyes of the world, but faithful before God. That's the most important thing to remember. The rest will come when we walk into that. Now go ahead, if you would, if you would, 1 Corinthians 3 and 5. 1 Corinthians 3 and 5.
What after all is Apollos? What after all is Paul? The early church was playing favorites. They were, they were getting their, their heroes. One was saying, we really like Paul, and we really like this one. We really like that one. And Paul is kind of um, shaming them a bit. Paul, Paul's chastising them. He's saying, don't act like children. There, there's only one hero. His name is Jesus. Everyone else is just a servant. There's only one that receives that glory and honor. His name is the Lord. Amen? But so he says, what after all? What is Paul? What is Paul? Only servant. Only servants. Through whom the instruments God used, through whom you came to believe. But look at this last line. It speaks to every one of us. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. Each one of us, God has assigned a task. Think about that for a minute. I am to be faithful in the present task that God has given me. Now, that often depends on the season of life I'm in. Certain seasons in life, you're a student. Be faithful and be the best student you can be. Certain seasons of life, you've got kids in the house. They have a great priority. And you're to be faithful to raise them, to know God and to love God. You protect them and you provide for them. Amen? And you prepare them for the life ahead of them. Your present task, what season is it in your life? I'm responsible for that. There are certain times when I'm there just to learn. There's early seasons in life where you're being mentored and you're there to serve and glean everything you can. But then a time comes when God says, tag, you're it. And the expectation changes. And you're no longer, you know, we're no longer going to accept something. Now people want more from you and you've got to step out. But each of us are given a task. What task? What season of life are you in? Don't act like you're retired when you're 35. But when you are retired, don't waste that time either. You can still use it for the glory of God. And you can still finish strong for God. Amen? There's a time to give that attention to children. There's a time to give that early time maybe to a career. There's certain se- Recognize the season that you're in. will help you to understand the present task God has assigned to you. Because if I blow it with this assignment, it will hinder the next assignment. Didn't want to study. Well, it showed me trying to get out and get a job. <laughs> Mess up once and get the next. I was too busy. Couldn't, couldn't be there for the kids. I had too many things I had to do. Well, that season affects. But I don't like that season. Tough. You don't get to choose your seasons. You get to recognize them and respond to them. But if you be faithful, God requires faithfulness. That's where the blessing is. And if you're faithful in this season, you'll see the reaping in that season or in that season. Wow. Every season, my responsibility, my opportunities, I ask myself, what's before me? And as I'm faithful here, don't waste your season. Make the most. I tell young people, make the most of your present season. Of course, that present season isn't your ultimate dream. That's not how it works. But if you waste that season, you might never get that ultimate dream. Give your best now. Recognize. Be able to identify the present season so you can make the most of that season. Moving on. 
The steward must use what his master gives him for the good and glory of his master, not for himself personally. Go ahead, if you would, Matthew 25 and verse 21. Matthew 25 and verse 21. And again, we're, we're looking here simply at um, faithfulness. It is that thing that God applauds and that God's looking for in order to bless and promote a person. Again, you're looking for faithfulness. Isn't it amazing? He's not looking for, not even the most skilled necessarily. His master replies, well done, good and faithful, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put in your charge many things. That's how God works. Come and share in your master's happiness. And you all remember the story. The master is going away and he gave all his servants certain amount of talents or opportunities. And he tried to give them what they could handle. He knew them. He gave them. He said, I'm going away. But when I come back, I'm going to hold you accountable. Get to work while I'm gone. And God gives us blessings and God gives us opportunities. God gives us chances in life. And, you know, you, you kind of you, you don't want to go to school when you're 18. It's kind of hard to wake up at 38 and say, gee, I think I'll go to school now. Kind of hard to do that when you got a mortgage and, and three kids. Well, hard to do that. See, uh, recognizing seasons, you see. You say, well, I'm too busy. You know, some of these men, some of you men, you better watch you raise your kids before you join all 20 softball teams and all this other nonsense. That first priority is those boys, those girls. You raise them to know God. You raise them to know a father that's there. He's present. You know, one of the names for God is there. He is there. And God says, man, you got to be there. You just got to be there. I mean, you don't always got to have the answers, but your presence has to be there. So they'll sense your presence and see your presence. My Lord, have mercy. I don't know how I got down here, but I'm down here. Faithfulness, faithfulness. And that is what God looks for when he comes back. Now, if you know the story, he didn't say, you're better because you got more. You're he said, no, you were faithful. I'm going to bless you. You were faithful. I'm going to bless you. Might have been a different amount, but he wasn't looking at that. He was looking at what they did, what, what God entrusted. Whatever God entrusts you. Has he entrusted you a good wife? Amen. Good time to say amen. Go ahead, speak up. There you go. Didn't even have to elbow him. He got that one good. Amen. You blessed with a good wife? Then be a good steward of that wife. Bless her. Be a good husband. Amen. The Bible says he that finds a good wife found a good thing. Isn't that what the Bible says? Found a good thing, right? Found a good thing, right? So that's a blessing. Uh, every, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Let's go ahead. Go to that next verse. Go to that next verse, whatever my next verse is. Here it is. This is the one we want to get to. Every good and perfect gift. Where does it come from? Not from the sweat of my brow. It comes from the grace and mercy of God, doesn't it? Now, I work with God, but it comes from God. Someone says, I worked hard. Yeah, it don't take much for God. One little disc gets thrown out. You won't be working much at all. Whoo! Isn't that right? They don't, no, don't mess with God. Someone says, I don't give. Well, you don't give. One little operation, that'll empty everything you've been, you've been worshiping. I'll tell you that much. I'm just saying give God his proper place if you want the blessing. Oh, I get dangerous when I get away from those notes. Isn't that right? Now, the Bible teaches every good, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights. He's a good God. Light speaks of goodness and righteousness. Amen. 
Oh, he's a good God who does not change like a shifting shadow. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, politicians can change. The economy can change. The weather can change. But the Lord God, he changes not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can wake up every morning knowing this. The Lord, he is God and he is good. And he's watching over my life. And the God that began this work, he's going to finish it. In my life. Woo! God unchanged. Isn't that right? People change. We've all changed. My Lord, look back at a picture from ten years. Who is that? I might have told this. <laughs> Tell the truth, shame the devil. I went to CVS some time ago, about a year ago. So I found I found a old picture of us. It was a wedding picture. I think it was. Wedding picture. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm taking CVS because I heard they can blow those things up a little bit. You know, I found a nice one. I wanted to put it in a little frame. And I did. The girl had to help me because I'm not too good with anything with a button. So the girl came to help me. And she did. And she looked. Looked at that picture. Looked at me. Looked at that picture. Looked at me. She was, is this really you? I said, it's really me. I said, is it that bad? <laughs> have, the years been, have the years been that tough? <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, that's me. Go ahead out of here. That's me. We all change. Isn't that right? We all change. <laughs> what did the guy say? You reach that point, your back goes out more than you do. Amen. I'm telling you, we change. But God doesn't change. That book doesn't change. Amen. Things all around us change. Can't be moved by everything shifting shadow. On Christ, the solid rock. Woo! He, he don't change. His word don't change. His promises are yes and amen. So I want to recognize every good and perfect gift is from above. Your life is a gift from God. He's your creator. Your salvation is a gift of God. He's your redeemer. I, I owe him my life. I certainly owe him my salvation. I belong to God. Isn't that right? And he speaks of every perfect gift. The Bible says, you find a good wife, found a good thing. You got a good wife, you thank God for her three times a day and treat her that way. I'm just telling you, it's a blessing from God. The book says it. That's all. You sow some appreciation, you might reap a little back. I'm just saying, that's what God teaches. The Bible says children are a heritage from the Lord. Didn't the Bible say that? It says they're a blessing, not a, not a hassle. They're a blessing. And so I'm going to treat them like a blessing and recognize my sons are a gift from God. And so I'm going to spend time with them. You know, I used to, I used to tell church, I got interviewed one time and uh, I said, now, listen, folks, I promise you I'm going to work hard. I don't mind. I like my job. I like this. I, I could I could study, preach. I do all this stuff, you know, all day long. Amen. I just I, I don't mind working, but we got to be straight about something. If you want to know my priorities, here they are. My Lord, my bride, my boys, and I drop that hand down the church. I'm going to work hard, but i got news for you. When that time comes and you don't remember if I could preach my way out of a paper bag, those two boys will be picking my nursing home one day. I'm going to be tight with them. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be close with them. I'm going to be tight with them. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? I'm just saying, we're talking about being a steward. Every blessing I have comes from God. The job I have is a blessing from God. It puts a roof over my baby's head. It feeds them. Isn't that right? It's God that gave me that job. He gives me the ability to make wealth. God gives us that ability and He gives us that favor. You see that? The ability to be salt and light, to be a witness, that's a gift from God. The ability to be His ambassador. 
to live in a world and have the message of hope. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Think about every blessing you have. Think about the opportunities that are before you and recognize their gifts from God. But as a steward and as a manager, I do my best to serve God through them, to serve God in them. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Praise His holy name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Ah, Let us be faithful. Let us be fruitful. Let us be productive with the life, with the gifts, with the opportunities God has entrusted to us. Let us recognize that each one of us has a task, a present task. Let's be found faithful in our present task. Asking God to let me recognize what season of life am I in? Let me be faithful now. Let me, simple illustration. That person that recognizes I'm not going to be able to work all my life. One day I'm going to have to retire. And they begin to save at an early age. Being faithful in this season. Then when they wake up in that season, a lot of them got something left. It's hard to wake up at 63 and say, I'm going to start saving for retirement. That's a little, you, you missed that, the, that's the saving season was a little earlier. You see what I'm getting at? We can recognize the seasons so I can respond to the season. My ability to be faithful in this season will determine what happens in that season. Had Joseph not chosen to be faithful in a very uncomfortable season, an unwanted season, sold by your brothers, lied about by others, put serving in a place, but he didn't cop an attitude. He recognized even here, God's with me. And he did his best in the present place. And then lo and behold, when the father had need of him, he's in the right place, prepared, proven, ultimately promoted. But had he rejected, copped an attitude, he never would have went from the prison to the palace, from dungeons to diadems, because he was faithful in the place that God put him. And he recognized that wherever I'm at, this is my assignment, this is my task, this is the season God wants me to give my best. And when that season's open, over, he'll open the next door, he'll make a way for me to move on. But what I do here will determine much about what happens there. Can you say amen? Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the example of the Apostle Paul of the Old Testament hero Joseph. We thank You for their examples, how they were faithful. And Lord, we want to thank You. You've been so good to us. You've saved us. You've kept us. You've blessed our lives in so many, many ways. You've given us the privilege of serving You of touching lives for You. And now, Lord, we just pray, wherever we're at in life, help us to recognize where we're at. Help us to discern our present season so we can be faithful in it. That we could serve You accurately and wholeheartedly in it. Father, we thank You that in a world that is constantly changing, you change not. And every one of us that know you, we find great comfort in that. We face things and we're not sure about tomorrow. 
but we are completely confident that you'll be there, you'll be with us, and you'll be in control of everything. Father, we love you. Help each one of us to be good stewards of the life you've given us. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday.